0: Hey John, welcome back to another working session. Really looking forward to digging into another business update with you as well. And uh, I know we kind of just debriefed offline here about, about life and getting some the last few powder runs in the spring here for you. And then I'm kind of hoping that we won't see any more snow here in Ohio. I, I'm looking forward to those 70s and 80s days, playing a little golf, hopefully that kind of stuff. So yeah, but I pulled out an icebreaker here that actually comes from you. And I thought it was timely for me at least. I'll read the tweet that you posted. It says, First-time founders do as much as they can by themselves for as long as possible. Second-time founders hire a team as early as humanly and economically possible. And then the reply that you posted to yourself says, true for me at least, right? So I'll put that caveat in there. But the reason I wanted to use that as the icebreaker today is when I read that, usually like I've worked and I've built businesses for other people. So I've been in a full-time role and I'm running a portfolio company for them or something like that. And I view myself as this guy who's not necessarily great at taking a business from zero to one or taking a really established business from a hundred to a thousand. So like venture scale, big enterprise scale, I'm kind of that middle guy where it's if you have a little bit of traction, if you have a little bit of product market fit, if you have a customer base and you want to double, triple, maybe even 5x that, I'm gonna get like, that kind of guy that gets you through those middle chapters. And so like in that capacity, this statement resonates with me where it's I hire people as early as I can so I can focus on my core competencies and where I add the most value. But now that I'm working on Castaway and I'm doing that kind of zero to one experience, it's harder for me to put that into practice. Even though I know it to be true, the fact that I'm paying it out of pocket, it's my money, not somebody else's money. The fact that like even a fairly modest hire at this stage could basically put me to break even or just with the way the cash flows in and out of a bank account, get that bank account balance a little lower than I'd like it to be. It's harder for me to do that and kind of bet on myself. So I'm curious, if you approached growth or hiring at Credo a different way than you are for Editor Ninja, and is that possibly a product of having Credo as kind of this financial safety net, maybe where it's like, eh, if I need to dip into Credo funds or whatever to fund to hire at Editor Ninja for a little bit until I can recoup that, that's okay. What's your philosophy on that, and how much do you think like being a second time founder and still having that first business active plays into that?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a good question, and the reason why I share this, and and I'm not the only one that has said this, I've seen. A number of other entrepreneurs that I know say this, and I've seen it. I've seen it in my own business, in my own life, and in those of, of friends as well that I tweeted it because with Credo, it took me a long time to feel comfortable committing to someone else simply because when I started working on Credo hard, it was honestly, it was my side gig. It's kind of like how Castaway is for you now, where it was my side gig, because I was paying myself, I was making my money to fund my half of my wife's and my lifestyle and our expenses with SEO consulting. So that was like, that was my job, right? And I viewed that as my job. I was like, I'm an SEO consultant, getting this thing off the ground. And then eventually, like a couple years in, then I transitioned to Credo being my full time thing and stopped doing any SEO consulting. I haven't done any like retained SEO consulting since end of 2018. So it's been a number of years now. But Credo was at like, I don't know, 25k a month, something like that maybe a little bit more. So I had the money there to be able to commit. And so I hired my first full-time person around that time. But to skip to the end, I think there's a couple things to it. Number one, Editor Ninja is a, a sizably different business from Credo in that I, I am not able to deliver the work. I'm not an editor, right? So I'm kind of forced to, to hire editors at the same time. I'm also experienced and far enough along now. And the product we've been building, I've been building out for Editor Ninja is so similar to the first MVP product for Credo that I can do it because I can do it quickly. But then there are also other areas where I'm like, I've done that before. I've written this custom code to like add users to this dropdown. So then I can do this reporting. I've done that stuff before, but at this point I'm like, I have so much going on that it's just, it's literally not worth my time to do it. But I think where... A lot of it comes from is two things, James. One is I've gotten over the years, I've gotten really good at and and I'm continuing to get better at running a business running a cash flow positive business looking at the P&L like Credo we didn't have a, I didn't look at P&Ls for 4 years right but it was like cash flow accounting where I had a bookkeeper but we weren't reviewing it or anything like that now I know like how much are we expecting to grow where is that growth going to come from What's our, what are our expenses going to be what are we projecting those to be what's our profit margin going to be and where do I want to keep it basically between 10 and 20% is where I I try to keep Credo so if we're getting up to 18 19 20 25 then I know that I can hire and that might take it down to 15, but that's fine because then I know we're gonna build it back up and I know we're still profitable. So I've learned how to really manage a business. And then on the other side, I think some of this confidence with Editor Ninja comes from two things. One is I do have Credo, so I know I can always just work on that if Editor Ninja doesn't work. But also, just like personally, I'm in a very different financial place than six and a half years ago. So I have that comfort as well. And it's a very privileged position to be in. And I recognize that, but I I just don't have anxiety around money. And am I going to be able to pay the bills and like that sort of stuff? Like we're plenty comfortable and we're fine. So I'm able to take more risks. And honestly, the same thing happened with Credo. When I started hiring people at Credo 2018, 2019, our personal financial situation had changed as well. So I'm like, all right, I can take some risks with this business. And it, it felt like risks then. And now it's no, I know how to run a business well. And I know how to hire and I know how to, you know, bring someone on part time or very part time and start doing some things. And then that should lead to this growth. And if it leads to that growth, then I can increase the the engagement. So I don't know, I, I know, I just kind of brain dumped there. But <laughs> yeah, those are the things that have at least shifted for me. And so I wonder for you, like, with Castaway, I mean, you have your full-time gig, right? And then you have Castaway. I wonder for you if it, there is a little bit of a step of faith. And even one thing I've I've been learning a lot about, I've been listening to Andrew Chin's The Cold Start Problem. I don't know if I mentioned it last time, but he talks about like the soft side and the hard side of the market. For you, the soft side is people looking to get editing done. It might be the hard one to acquire, but it's the but, but it's a little bit more, it, it kind of turns over versus you have to have the hard side. So Uber has to have drivers. That's their hard side of the market, right? Etsy has to have sellers. Editor Ninja has to have editors. That's my hard side. For you, it's the producers, right? It's the video editors, it's copywriters, it's, it's all that sort of stuff. And basically, Andrew Chin, who was former like head of growth uh, at Uber, head of at least like driver side growth he talks about you kind of have to subsidize one side or the other. And so Uber heavily subsidized drivers and it started off easily like subsidizing it there. And I've kind of done that with editor Ninja where I have three editors now brought on a new one this week. I subsidize that by guaranteeing them a certain amount every week. Mm -hmm. It's not a ton, but like it's enough to get them committed and to say, yes, I will have eight hours available. And even if I'm not editing eight full hours, right. And honestly, if they edit, three, like they've made more money than what I'm guaranteeing them. And I definitely right. have that work, but it's, but they're also guaranteed to get that. And it's also not enough that I, I can just afford to pay that honestly in perpetuity with the revenue we have coming in. So I, I don't know. So for you, I wonder if there's something around that where you can say, Hey, video editor, I'm guaranteeing you hundred dollars a week, something like that, right? hundred dollars a week yeah. or the hours you work, whichever is greater. So, and, and, and doing that short term or even like medium term just to see that initial. So then you have the confidence to go out and sell.
0: Yeah, yeah, because I think like the sticking point with Castaway right now is, I forget the exact number, but there's some stat that people throw around a lot, which is 60% of American households live paycheck to paycheck or something like that. It, it, it's a big number, right? It's like more than half. And I feel like that's not how I operate personally. But that's kind of the, the life cycle that Castaway is in right now, in terms of it matters when client pays this invoice, and that money gets handed over to a video editor to compensate them like those two dates matter to me right now. And maybe they wouldn't if I just said, hey, I'm going to put a $10,000 cash injection from my personal funds into the business. That's kind of our foundation. And so we don't have to worry about cash flow as much. Maybe the solution's that easy. But that's kind of like my constraint is in betting big on somebody. Now, betting big to me at this stage is, do I pay somebody uh, in the Philippines, a video editor, 1,500 bucks a month, no matter what, to get full-time engagement from them? And to them, with the currency convergence and everything, that's a full-time job. That's their salary. So you don't want to bring that person on and not be able to sustain them for a year or whatever, and then have to let them go. That's somebody's life. I don't want to mess with that. But your situation sounds different Mm -hmm. where it's like, here's a baseline income you're going to get. It's fairly modest, but it's guaranteed every week, whether you work for me or not. And then it's incumbent upon me to go and fill the pipeline with that work. That feels like betting on yourself. And that feels more reasonable to me. So if I can find somebody that has that level of flexibility, where it's, I don't necessarily need to have a monthly retainer that's significant or near full time. But if you can give me a minimum viable income, and I give you a minimum number of hours associated with that, and then you pay me overages as needed, if I find a relationship like that, that feels way more manageable to me in terms of hiring, because what I know from my experience hiring, specifically around like VAs and stuff like that is, you often take a productivity hit for a while while you get them up to speed, especially if you don't have your documentation in order, and you don't have your processes laid out clearly. But even then, there's some onboarding, there's some like side by side training, there's screen recordings that you got to share that person doesn't know your business like you do. So for two or three weeks, maybe even a month or so, your productivity goes down because you're kind of holding their hand a little bit. But then after that, you see exponential gains as they get that confidence, they get that independence and autonomy around it. This might be the same way. So I think it's maybe it's not a clear black and white, yes or no, like definitely higher, maybe it's higher with the expectation that things might not be better right out of the gate. But you're betting long-term on yourself, and the productivity will catch up, and then it will continue to compound over time. And You just got to have that blind faith that you're finding the right person, you're equipping them with the right resources, and your business will be better for it long-term, but don't necessarily look for that gain in the first 30, 60 days, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think some of this comes down to what you were talking about initially there is, kind of, you know, b- black and white, not at all or full time versus there's very much like shades of gray in life, I believe, but also in hiring and in business. And so as Rob Walling talks about, he talks about like stair-stepping in business, right? Starting with a service business and going to a product guy service, going to a SaaS, like whatever. I think we can think that we can take that same principle and apply it to hiring and say like, all right, we're starting off with a contractor at this level, right? So you find a contractor, like very much a contractor that you can guarantee whatever, hundred bucks a week, something like that, right? Like your goal, yes, is to pay them a thousand dollars a month, right? But you're guaranteeing them 400 because you have that level of work and you're confident that you can sign that level of work, right? And then assuming you have the work and then you only pay them more, pay them up to that like thousand or whatever. And then also with this kind of contractor coming on, that forces you to then get that those SOPs and and processes, et cetera, all in place for that one person. So eventually the goal is you outgrow that person and maybe you bring on a second one or you bring someone on full time and then the base is already set, right? And you don't have to spend as much time. It's not as big of a risk, as you said, or like an outlay and like productivity hit to get them up to speed because you're not like, because you have everything ready to go, right? It takes you two weeks to get them to speed as opposed to six weeks because you spent the time beforehand getting a contractor up to speed.
0: Right. Totally agree. Awesome. Well, that's been helpful for me. I mean, the other thing I'm wrestling with is like, we'll probably get into this later on, but I've had a little bit more difficulty selling subscriptions based on I think price point and just the offerings, people wanting to customize that. So that's a little bit of it is I don't have as much MRR as I do like the occasional here's a 12 episode bundle $3,000 cash injection into the business. And can you hire against that not necessarily knowing that's going to come again next month? That's a little harder too. so that's a little bit of a wrinkle, but nuances to to every business, right? So I think as we sell more subscriptions, you get that recurring revenue, you can bank on some percentage of churn, but for the most part, you hope to retain folks for a few months at least, right? So it's that's something I would have way more confidence hiring against just knowing that for this account, or these three accounts, $1,500 per month from each of those for the next six months is a fairly confident assumption to make. So then, yeah, I can hire against that, right? And I'll have that person employed in a significant way for at least six months. That would be a big step. So that's kind of one of my goals is to like solve that subscription puzzle, because I think that opens up a lot of doors in terms of scale.
1: It, it does, though at the same time, subscriptions also have churn, right? Or can't right. have churn. So... You're still going to run into the same issue. I think it really comes down to, in my experience, comes down to, for me, I forecast out like growth and expenses and all of that for like the next eight to 12 months at Credo. And I'm starting to do it for Editor Ninja as well. So, and that that gives me confidence to say, like, I literally yesterday put together our, our growth, like our kind of projections for Credo for the next 12 months. And I read the book, Simple Numbers, uh, Straight Talk, Big Profits by Greg Crabtree, which was just like mind bending for me with thinking about like finance and, and running a business, like operating a business. And basically I I literally have a lot of all of our expenses outlined. I also have roles that I want to hire and how much those are going to cost. And then I have, so total revenue and then all expenses and kind of how I expect those to go based off of historical numbers and whatever. And what I know we need to do coming across this year and kind of where big outlays are going to happen, like hiring a designer for a project, that kind of stuff. But then I literally have a line at the bottom that it's percentage, like pure profit. So revenue minus expenses And then that number divided by revenue. And then what is that number? And I know, and I can see, and I actually have it conditionally formatted where like when it's closer, when it's 10, it's red. And when it's 20, it's green. And I can see kind of how that changes. And I can see where I can actually outlay this more cash to keep our profit within that realm. So if we can do that, even this early stage in a business, it's going to give us that much more confidence in order to kind of hire like this. You can say, yes, I can float that. I can float $400 a month based off of, how I expect the business to grow, right? And then you're making projections and that forces yourself to say, okay, so how do I hit that? Is it selling a bundle? And it doesn't matter if it's a bundle or a subscription. Great thing about a bundle is you you can require that payment up front, right? So yeah, it might be $8,000, but basically amortize that over three months and it's basically whatever, $2,700 a month or something like that, right? Amortize that. And then you have a clear picture into your expenses and then you can can make good hiring and, and spending investment decisions off that new website or whatever it is.
0: Yeah, that was super helpful, man. Thanks. I That's why I wanted to ask because you are second time around, probably, I don't know, <laughs> is it third, second? It's at least the second time around. It might be third or fourth uh, with a couple other. I know we all kind of have our, yeah, our business graveyard. Probably,
1: probably four. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. yeah. At least like cool. projects that have generated revenue.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Do you want to get into the Editor Ninja update for uh, this week? I think last time we talked, you were just coming off a of vacation, getting back into the swing of things and yeah, just having a lot of ideas and, and struggling to prioritize some of those. So where are you at today?
1: Yeah, so last time I talked, because I think we recorded one last week as well. So I talked about how I had done a couple of webinars. So I'll just, just start with sales and marketing and kind of some wins there, and then move into ops. So I talked about how I had done some, you know, webinars and free trainings for a couple of different um, companies—one for Clearscope and one for the Tiny Seed uh, Accelerator. I have had six demo calls off of that. One of them closed and actually told me he was like, "He's like, look, I consider this call a formality because if you had a sign up button, I just would have signed up." So I'm like. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> so apparently those work. And so I think I need to get on more. I need to do more free trainings. I need to do more webinars. I need to do, you get on more podcasts, bigger podcasts, that kind of thing. I think that's really going to work. And I've actually got a couple more demos queued up as well based off of, off of that too. So yeah, that's been a big win. So I got a new customer in, I have one doing a test document. I think I talked last week about, I was considering selling like a, a bundle of words. And I'm actually moving forward with that. I pitched to some people. I have someone committed. They're getting a test doc done at cost because a lot of people ask me for test documents. So, well, can I do a test document? And I like, I don't want to do work for free, but, and, and and maybe we'll get there at some point. But I basically tell them now, I'm like, look, we'll do a document for you at cost. Like what it costs me, I will give it to you for that. Assu- and then assuming it is, it is good. Up to fifteen hundred words, something like that. Actually, I don't even care if it's at cost, but you know, as long as you commit to buying a bundle of X tens of thousands to hundred thousand words to use over the next twelve months, and they're like, "Great, yeah, sounds good." So I've got one of those in process right now, and it's something one of my competitors does too, where they they message get a free document, but it's basically you get the first five hundred words of a doc quote for free, right? So it's a fifteen hundred word document, you pay for a thousand, but they also have the per word high enough that they're not losing money on it, but it could be worth doing that because say like under a thousand. Words, test doc will do it for free, right? Because that cost me like 20 bucks. And if I could spend 20 bucks to potentially make thousands on a subscription, heavily worth it. So, something I'm thinking about, but it's, I'm starting to get some signal again, starting to get some closes. I got a couple more committed, a couple more on the bubble. So, that's, that, that's pretty exciting there. It's definitely like picked up over the last few weeks, especially with like sales calls and how I run that. So,
0: I was going to ask, talk to me about your strategy with with demo versus like just straight purchase. So why what made you decide to like, hey, I'm going to force everybody through a demo, at least on the subscription side of things versus just having a checkout form and letting somebody sign up? Because right now with Castaway, I, I originally had like an application form basically or an interest form. And I switched over to just straight checkout now, and my justification for that is I've got a day job and I can't do sales calls all day, or I'll start to compromise that because most folks can only you know meet between nine and five, and so that if I got to any kind of scale that would be problematic. So, but at the same time, like I realized that's really going to ratchet down the sales pipeline because who wants to just walk up and pay fifteen hundred to two thousand dollars a month off of a landing page? That'd be some pretty killer landing page, and maybe we'll get there someday with a bunch of social proof <laughs> yeah. or referrals. But yeah, I I made that decision intentionally knowing that it might hinder growth for a while. But that's kind of okay, because I don't have the I don't have the operational setup and processes to support a whole bunch of sales right out of the gate. So but with you going with a demo, is there a reason you did that? Is it about qualifying customers? Or is it just reducing the friction? It's pretty easy for somebody to just say, Yeah, I'll take a call. Like, I don't have to open my wallet today. I'll just take a call. So what was your thought process there?
1: Yeah, the thought process was really learning. It was I want to talk to as many people as I can to hear what questions they have, to hear what objections they have, all that kind of thing. Yeah, and it's interesting on the psychology side that people look at, they, they don't look at monthly nearly as much as they look at annual. So here's an example for you, James. I have a pickup truck, right? And I have a Toyota Tacoma and I want to build it out into a, like an overlanding vehicle. I've been talking about this for a year plus now and I have the cash to do it. I'm just like trying to come up with the right configuration. But, you know, I look at these things, I'm like, lift is going to cost me $3,000 for a good one. New tires and wheels are going to cost me $1,500. A bed rack's going to cost me $1,000. A new bed topper is going to cost me $2,000. These are big numbers, right? And even though the money's there, they're big numbers versus I just re-signed up with a performance coach. I'm in good shape now. I want to get in really good shape and it's 500 bucks a month. So I'm going to end up spending 1500 bucks over three months, but it's way easier for me to say yes to that than it is for me to say yes to, yeah, pay us $1,500 up front. Uh, I got to think about that versus, yeah, there's $500 bucks a month on a quarterly contract. Okay, cool. Sounds good. Yeah, so, and the reason why I say that is for you, it's at that level, like, sales calls is the right motion. For me, I am going to test out. the well. People, A, people can just go ahead and submit a single document and pay for it and do it. And some people do that. Not a ton, but some, I think we've had 15 or 16 come through now in the last couple of months since I rolled that out. But yeah, for me, it's been all about learning. And so I am going to test out. I was actually talking with my mastermind a couple of days ago where one of the guys in there runs a SaaS company that they're like, 50 bucks a month something like that so they shouldn't be doing sales calls he's like yeah we just threw up a buy now button and it worked and people started paying i'm like of course because people don't want to like do a phone call for 50 bucks a month right that's not worth anyone's time yeah put that in there it works and so i'm like "Ah, i'll I'll test it out right so yeah i I don't know it it, so to this point long story short it's been all about learning but i i think i am going to throw on the page a like buy now sort of thing and see what happens. I can always take it off.
0: Yeah, I might try to do a blend of the two where it's like, you can buy now, but the secondary CTA button is just kind of an outline and and less obvious is book a demo. And then maybe in my software for the scheduling, I could just say there are only two slots for this per week. And once they're full, nobody else can take them. So that kind of like limits my involvement, but also gives folks the option to have a a lower commitment, right? They don't have to buy right out of the gate. The other thing I was going to share as an idea for you is if webinars are working, I wonder if you could get away with just having an evergreen webinar. Like you record it once to a a few folks live or even just privately and do it yourself, put it up on as kind of a lead magnet and just say, give me your email address. I'll send you the recording. There's no catch. But if that pitch or that presentation is converting well, why not just put that on a self-serve kind of thing and, and people can watch it whatever they want with a CTA to book a call or whatever afterward. And then all your organic search traffic, and maybe that's a CTA box in the middle of an article, kind of interrupt the reading flow there a little bit, catch some attention. I don't uh-huh. know, just a thought.
1: I yeah, in the the Dan Martell uh, SaaS Academy world, call it a demo on demand, and I've definitely been thinking about that. It's a great call. Yeah, I need to I, I need to create it, but yeah, I, first what I'm going to do is I think before I get to there. I'm working on a new um kind of funnel um like i'm, I'm gonna try out a quiz funnel i, I don't know what the topic is going to be yet but i've been li- watching this training by Lo- ryan lebeck from who wrote uh, the ask method but basically something around what is your content type what is your you know, what, what is your creator type or creator score or something like that? And to divide people out and be like, you're the visionary, you're the, you're the cowboy, right? You write everything and you don't edit or you're the, you're the perfectionist that like you want it, you want every word and comma perfect before you publish like that kind of thing to try to get people in like in that first and see how well that works. And then, yeah, I do think I am eventually going to go, especially for, I, I would love eventually to get to a self sign up, Design Pickle had this for a long time at like 500 bucks a month where like it was self-sign up. They probably had a demo on demand or something like that, but they've gone to sales calls now actually, which is interesting. But like they got to 20, 25 million, 30 million a year off of self-serve, but like off of self-serve except for the big ones, like thousand, you know, plus dollars a month, then they would do sales calls with people. I would love to get there where it's buy a bundle, you sign up, a subscription, fire yourself, no sales call, but then they have an onboarding call, like a quick, like 15 minute onboarding call just to answer any questions, get their first doc uploaded, just like them to that, like first success. Anyways, it's all stuff I'm thinking about, but yeah, that's definitely, uh, I will definitely be trying a, a pre-recorded webinar at some point.
0: Awesome. awesome. Yeah. Sorry to uh, go down the sidebar yeah. tangent there, but let's hear the ops update. I think
1: all good. Really I love immense. the ideas from other people. Yeah. On the ops side, I mean, ha- had some good wins over the last couple of weeks. I finally got some reporting in place for editors and customers. So it made running payouts for editors this week so much easier where I literally have a report that I go to a certain URL and it downloads a CSV, pop that into Google Drive and all the numbers are right there. It's so easy. So that's awesome. And then I build the first kind of in in arrears payment, which was great. Seems to work out really well for agencies and larger companies that just have a deep pain around editing. And it's not like they're not nickel and diming us on the per word. I am going to have to make some adjustments for people that are, who are doing like, because our, our subscription is up to like, the base is up to 15,000 words. And so I've talked to a few companies that they're at eight, like 18,000 words a month. And I'm like, it doesn't really make sense for them to pay another 330. So like their cost is going to go from 400 for 1500 words, like $1, 14999 to 729 for 18,000 words. So I may have to do something where it's like per additional 5,000 words or 3,000 words. It's X, but if you go over like 10,000, then like, Let's just make it make sense for them. Once they go over that, they're like, it's cheaper to get the, uh, whatever, just to do the full extra lane. So, and then two other just updates, I brought on a new editor. So we're at 200,000 words a month of capacity. We just hit 250,000 words lifetime. I think we're going to do 100,000 this month in April. So that's 4X growth from January. And I'm really starting to understand like managing capacity and what we're able to do and also what it's going to take to scale to get this thing to like a good scale. Basically, I, 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 Did it out the other day. And to get to 25K a month, we're basically going to have to be doing a million words a month. So what's it going to take to get there, right? That's where my, that's where my thinking is. And then just like milestone update. I mean, this show is all about what happens when two marketing guys try to build six-figure side hustles. I think we're at 60K ARR now. So yeah, that's exciting. We're growing. We hit 50K in March. I think we're at 60K now. So yeah, all exciting stuff, man.
0: That's awesome. So what, we're on episode nine, I think, and uh, you're 60% of the way there. That's that's pretty incredible. My Good goal is six team. figures
1: by June. So nice, I, moved think, it up. I think we can get there. Yeah, yeah. And then challenges. I mean, for me, my main challenge at this point is like I am hiring just like across the board for every company. Like Credo, I'm hiring a content person. There's another uh, a designer. And then there's another role I'm going to be opening up probably come June. Editor Ninja, always looking for editors. Bringing on editors. Just got one of our editors committed to creating some content for us. I'm probably also going to use like Verblio or something like that for creating some content. So I'm hiring there. And then my wife and I are trying to find a nanny for our daughter for the summer to be able to move up to the mountains. So I'm like, I'm basically hiring seven roles right now, just across my, my life. And it's just a lot, dude. It's great. It's like good problems. Cause it means like we're able to, and like stuff is growing, but it's just a lot at this point. I'm not getting a lot of like in the trenches, writing code or writing content or something like that. And I've said I'm taking a short term hit on like that like you know individual contributor productivity so I can hire people so then I don't have to go back to being an individual contributor in these areas
0: yeah hiring is at least my opinion is it's one of the most challenging parts of the job but also one of the most rewarding and so it's it's just so much work to review the applications run the interviews like it's emotionally draining to make the tough call between two really good candidates sometimes and just give bad news to the rest of them and stuff like that so that part's like awful but then Hiring the right person, giving them a great opportunity, giving them a way to progress in their career and take that next step. That's all super rewarding. I imagine I've never run a marathon, but I imagine that's what it's like. It's man, this really friggin' sucks. But when you're done, you're just like, oh, I'm so glad that I was able to do that. And like, I feel good about myself getting through that ordeal. So yep. And that's probably at what? Get slash careers is what it looks like for those roles at least. I don't Credo. know. about slash careers. Manager.
1: That's right. Yep. Cool. Cool, man. On to you, man. What's going on at Castaway? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Let's dive right in. Okay, I'll start with operations. So last time we talked, I think I was getting applications from video editors. And we had two or three really talented video editors make it through kind of like the filter or the gauntlet. And to talk about hiring and how hard it is. I'm like, man, I kind of I would love to hire all three of these, but I can't right now. So right now I'm wrestling with like, do I just hire one of them on in a full time capacity? Or do I try to get some or all of them into some kind of a part time, like retainer, but not long term retainer, basically. And can I kind of have my cake and eat it too. And I'm thinking that based on our conversation today, I'm going to at least pitch that second option, right? Where it's I know you're looking for full time work. And I would love to give that to you. That's still my goal. But how do you feel about maybe doing I don't know about the with the currency exchange and stuff like it might end up being the same dollar amount to get each of them on at 15 to 20 hours a week consistently, than just hiring one of them at 40 hours a week, right? So I think I might at least explore that option and see if there's interest there, because I could really quickly, if I had three editors to kind of take on some of the capacity, even if they're working part time, I can go out and hustle on the sales and marketing side. And I feel like I could pretty quickly bump them up one at a time to full time anyway, right. But it's just like, the value of getting three minds, three sets of hands, three schedules, the coverage that I think occurs having multiple contributors versus one contributor might be worth exploring. But I guess I'd pause there to get kind of your reaction to that.
1: Yeah, I'd agree. That's the way that's the way I would go. Even if it costs the same amount, like you're kind of hedging your your risk a little bit, hedging your bets a little bit. Yeah, that's how I do it, honestly. Because yeah. ultimately, you're gonna need a couple, right? And so, might as well learn now in lower risk way, and then you don't have that like psychological overhead of this person is depending on me for all of their income, right? Especially at this stage, it's just not something I would do. Yeah, it's not something I would take on. So, I like that approach, man.
0: Okay, cool. Yeah, I kind of like it too. And even let's say they all three work out, and I can just say, okay, you two are on client work, and editor number three, like you're just gonna help me basically do kind of like free work as lead gen for really big shows. And we're just going to take their episodes and you're going to help me produce amazing videos for them. And I'm going to do some kind of cold outreach or ask for an introduction. I'm going to put that in front of them. And that's kind of going to be a sales effort for me. I wouldn't be able to do that with just a single editor be too much divided attention and context switching and things like that. So yeah, so then other ops stuff, we are migrating to WordPress. We talked about this loosely last time I've gone back and forth on this, but that's well underway. And I'm excited about hopefully getting that up wrapped up by the next time we talk so that I can start A-B testing things like we've been talking about today. Price points, service packages, demo call versus purchase. Like I can have multiple versions of landing pages and direct traffic to each one and see what the conversion rates look like, time on page, all that kind of stuff. Coming from Card, which is a very simplistic site editor, to WordPress, like just a lot of doors opened up in terms of how I can experiment and, and run the show there. So excited about! Can I that. ask
1: a question there? A technical yeah. question? Plugin service, etc. Are you going to use for like kind of testing those different pages? Because my take is, I'm very like Casey Henry, who's at a, a Spark Toro with Rand, and you know was at Moz formerly, where he's like, like they shipped a new homepage. And Rand was like, what if it bombs? And Casey's like, we roll it back. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) like conversion. That's how I operate. So, but you're a true conversion guy. So what are you going to use on WordPress? I'd love to learn that a little bit more with editor ninja. Honestly, with Credo too.
0: Yeah, I think I would just go with a Google optimize. And basically what you're doing is you're like swapping out an individual Gutenberg block or whatever on the page. So it's, hey, at the bottom of the pricing table, there's a button right now that says buy and it's linked to a Stripe checkout or wherever it goes. For 50% of the traffic, swap that buy button out for a book, a demo that goes to a savvy cow or a Calendly link. And that's it. And you're just saying, take 50% of all the traffic that hits this page and change this one element on the page for variant A versus variant B. Typically, you would run that until you get some kind of statistical significance, thousands of sessions. I'm not anywhere near that yet. So it's not going to be conclusive, but it's going to be a step above gut feel. And I'm not committed one way or the other. I just think that like, With my current tech setup being on card, which I love, by the way, huge fan of card. If you're just starting out and you need an MVP landing page, 100%, $19 a year or something crazy like that, perfect way to start. But having the optionality to do a little bit more sophisticated testing and experimentation or build individual service pages for, there's like an organic SEO play there for like podcast to blog conversion, podcast to social media conversion, podcast to video clip conversion. All those things are keywords that might warrant a dedicated landing page conversation or something around that and education. So it's just not easy to do with cards. So WordPress opens up a bunch of stuff, not just testing pricing and, and packages and things like that. Cool. And then I think last time I also talked about, like, hey, I think my next hire might be kind of this kind of like a project manager, but really like this editorial person to go in, listen to the episodes, highlight the most interesting pieces so that our team can convert those into social media posts, video clips, audiograms, that kind of thing. I had this bright idea. I'm like, I know a ton of writers often have journalism backgrounds. And I think maybe you were the spark for the idea and I'm just kind of following through on it. But like, let me just reach out to some of these writers and say, hey, you want to make some extra cash? You want to make some like beer money? You want to whatever, cover your car payment? What if I just pay you a hundred bucks an episode to go through, listen at one and a half, two X speed, highlight uh, the most interesting parts and then tag me when you're done. And I think that the, the real limiting factor there is like, those things do take time. And my time right now is all nights and weekends. And so I'm like, do I need to sit here in front of the script and listen to these episodes, which is great. I'm basically getting paid to learn. But if I sell two or three more clients, I, I physically can't do that. So I got to solve for this. And it's kind of a tougher skill to hire for. But I think you go to writers, they have a journalism background, they have eyes and ears for the most interesting parts of a story. I'm just thinking that that could free up a bunch of not just the time, even if it's just the mental bandwidth of not thinking cerebrally about what's interesting about this conversation. Like that's fairly demanding from a cognitive perspective. So I'm going to test them out and and see, and they've agreed to get paid on a per episode basis. So it's, I got three for you this week or I've got one for you this week or whatever. So yeah, we'll see how that goes. Hopefully I'll have an update on that next time we talk. And then let me jump down to the sales and marketing update. I sold my first organic subscription, meaning like not somebody from my personal network. Like I feel I like, like you need oh. an air
1: horn right there. I want you yeah. to edit in an air horn.
0: <laughs> yeah, throw me, throw me an air horn in there or, uh, or like a sales gong or something like that. I need That's something right. fancy. But the, the way that this came about was basically like, I think I sent this tweet out and I send these out all the time. I just did one yesterday, but I'm like, I always have these business ideas. And part of my like personal therapy to not go off and try to do that and get distracted is to just put out into the world and hope somebody else does it, right? I'm like, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to let myself do this. So I'll just share it with the world and maybe you'll do it. So I'll say something like, hey, if I got laid off today, I think what I would try to do is just be this fractional CMO. And I try to have three clients and, and get them to pay me like half of my current salary to just come in and strictly play like a strategic team management, prioritization of effort, resource management kind of role where I'm not doing any of the the executional stuff, I'm just kind of like being their experienced, thoughtful marketing leader. And uh, he DM me about that. And he's, Hey, I'd love to take this for a test drive, if you like. And I was like, Well, that wasn't really my point. I'm not actually looking to do that. But it'd be cool. And it turned out his business was, there was a conflict of interest with some of the stuff I'm doing with the good, So it wasn't going to work out. So I said I had to pass and we kind of just parted ways. And then three days later, I get this email from somebody and I recognized the domain name was his domain name. It wasn't him, but it was somebody on his team. And they were like, Hey, we just uh, we just signed up for Castaway a couple days ago, just wanted to see what we need to do to get started. And I was like, one, that's awesome. But I was like, two, oh, shit, why am I just hearing about this now? Turns out, like I used to have an intake form, like an interest form. And I had that all wired up that when somebody submitted it, obviously, I got an email notification, I got a Slack notification, somebody's interested in Castaway, and I reached out right away. When I switched over to checkout, I failed to set up like a Zapier automation for like when I receive a payment in Stripe send that somewhere, send that to email, send that to Slack and just say someone just bought this subscription. So I had no idea it even happened, which is just hopefully the listeners can, you know, empathize with that. And hopefully somebody else has been there too. Because I was just like, ah, oh, that's so embarrassing. But it was really good to just see kind of a, an organic interaction. Didn't know this person from Adam on day one, and then they explored what I've been working on and ended up becoming a Castaway customer. Just fuel for the fire, right? Like, it's good to see that kind of
1: stuff yeah. happen. Pro tip for anyone listening, the first zap I set up in a business now is when there is a new Stripe charge, send it to Slack and SMS me (laughs) like, and I don't set it up on like the form level, like the gravity form level. I set it up on the Stripe level. So it's just like overall for any charge that happens in the business, Send me an SMS and put it to Slack. I don't even have it send me an email. I don't really care about an email. I just, I'd rather see it in real time and also put the status. What is the status of it? Because we've occasionally you'll have it fail and you want to know when like someone tried or they need to update their credit card or whatever. So it goes to like accounts receivable, but that is an amazing zap to set up. Cause also like you'll be sitting at dinner and you're like, woohoo, I just made $1,500. Right, right. It's pretty awesome to celebrate like that.
0: Yeah, I got to go fix that because I have the channel now, but I went straight to Zapier. I didn't know that they had a direct integration through Stripe. I would 100% like Zapier is great, but those things fail all the time. And I don't want that to happen. So I'm going to go make that a direct integration. So I think like I said, the editorial hire, the kind of like clip identifier role, and then the uh, video editor hire, I think it's going to open up some time. So over the next 30 days, I really want to get back on the sales and marketing train. And I think I'm going to start by reaching out to what I'm just loosely calling partners. But what I have in mind there is like podcast production agencies, hosting services, people who have courses or communities around running podcasts, and just try to get some kind of relationship going with them, whether it's an affiliate program where they get a commission for every referral they make, or just straight up, here's some exclusive pricing for your audience or something like that. I think that's probably step one. And then step two, I just want to experiment with some sponsorships and ads with like podcast centric newsletters sponsoring other podcasts for you know bigger businesses marketing podcasts that kind of thing or even just running ads on different social media platforms like tiktok reels or twitter or reddit or anywhere i just kind of want to experiment with some of those things and see if i can find a honey hole to just like you put a dollar in and you get five dollars out kind of thing and i think i'm ready to shift focus over there so that's kind of my plan for the next month is to lock in these hires, start kind of funneling work over to those folks some more and Mm. hopefully nothing breaks along the way. And then with all that extra brain space, start experimenting with some of these partner relationships and uh, maybe some paid sponsorships or
1: advertising. So, well, and the thing I love about that is then you have confidence, right? In your capacity and you can sell X. I mean, people get so scared to, but what if I put this like buy button on the site and we can't support it all well. You figure out how to support those people that buy, and then you remove the buy button from the site until you can scale and serve more. Right? Like, like It's literally that easy. Let's not hold ourselves back because of fear around, but what if this thing happens? Like, That's a champagne problem, and you also are fully in control to slow it down. Like, You can always like switch it out. Nope, no more buy now. You have to schedule a demo, and I have two slots a week, right? Or guess what? I have no slots for the next four weeks. People are like, oh, that's annoying. You're like, it'd be more annoying if I signed you on and took your money and wasn't able to deliver. Right. So yeah, that's awesome. That's a big, that's a big step. Congratulations.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Cool. So I had one question for you. All of this is requiring more training and process documentation. I have that as Google docs and at various positions in my past, I've used different tools. I'm curious what you use at Credo and or Editor Ninja to kind of like just that central source of truth for how to do X. Everybody knows to go to this one place. I'm assuming you have something in place. Maybe you don't, but like I've seen Notion. I've seen a tool called Process Street. A friend Brian Castle built a tool called Process Kit for repeatable processes. I've seen some people just run it out of Asana. Like how do you host those walkthrough videos and those step-by-step instructions with screenshots and all that stuff? Like where's your central location for that?
1: We don't have an Editor Ninja yet. I onboarded a new editor yesterday, two days ago, something like that. And outlined it all for me. It was like 45 minutes. It was like, oh, by the way, this, oh, by the way, this, oh, by the way, this. And I was like, shoot, I should have recorded this and get someone to transcribe it and write up like editor training. Credo, Google Docs with a Trello board that is our like index for training. And so then we have it by, there's a card for each one, how to do this, how to run payments, how to do this, how to do that. And everyone knows, go to that Trello board and it's by department. So it's like, here's for revenue, here's for marketing, here's for whatever, engineering. That's where we do it, honestly. I haven't needed more than that. I like to keep it simple with tools I already know. Yeah, we could use a trainable or something like that. I'll probably get there at some point, but I I, I just, I don't know. I, I kind of hate, I hate most software that makes me do it in their way. That's why there's so many project management tools and documentation tools and dev like priority tools and all of that, because everyone has a different way of doing it. And there's eight or 12 different ways. So you kind of have to find the one that works for you or I just roll it myself and just hack it together with, as I said, that's kind of our index. And then Google Docs and all owned by a central hello at GetCreator.com account. So it's not tied to me or a specific person or whatever. And that's how we've done it. how do y'all do it at the good and how are you doing it for Castaway? So,
0: at the good, we use notion, and everything just kind of lives in there, and we embed if I record a screen share video, which I'll do with you could do Loom is a popular tool. we use one called Vidyard. um Vidyard's pretty expensive, so I'd check out loom if you're if it's not a core part of your business and you're budget conscious, I would check out Loom. But uh, yeah, we embed the video at the very top. So here's a video of somebody like physically doing everything that's covered in this written documentation, and then there are a bunch of drop downs, like the first drop down will be like step one, and it's collapsed by default, but it's step one sign into Riverside to you know, start your podcast recording. And then the drop down has sub steps for all that property. And then step two is whatever, get your recording technology set up, lighting, camera, whatever. And it's a checklist for that step three. And they're all in a drop down. So that's kind of how we do it at The Good. And then I haven't really, outside of Google Docs, I haven't started doing much of it at Castaway because it's been all me for the most part doing the delivery work and I just know how to do it. But I will say um, at both The Good and for Castaway, we're looking at this tool called Tango and it's at tango.us Basically, what this is, it's a Chrome extension, you install it, and it's kind of like Loom, you just kind of start recording. And then you physically do the tasks like you sign in to the browser based tools that you're using, you click around, you do all your things. And it basically highlights the individual elements you interact with. So if you click the menu button, it takes a screenshot of where the menu button is. And then if you click account settings, it, it takes a screenshot of that. And then if you edit the title, it takes a screenshot of that. So anytime your mouse interacts with the page, it grabs a screenshot. And then when you stop recording, it creates this document with all those screenshots and a rough like estimate of what you did, like a description. So it's click on menu, edit title, mm-hmm. type in title, and it does its best job. And it kind of creates that rough outline for you in a Google Doc style thing. And then you can go in there and edit that once you're done. And so you can edit those descriptions. You can swap out a screenshot for a better one, whatever. But what I like about that is like, you just physically do the thing. And it creates the written documentation step by step for you, you still have the ability to edit, then you save it, and then you can link to it. And it's just kind of a shared link. So admittedly, we haven't used it. I don't know if it delivers on the promise. But conceptually, that seems really cool to me. Because usually what I do is I record like a 20 minute screen share video, which is great. But it's sometimes it's me rambling. Oh, I don't know why it's not accepting my password. Let me go ahead and try to fix that. Let me grab my password. You know, it's just awkward. But with this, it's you can do all that stumbling around, and then just clean it up at the end and have a written example because some people like writing some people like to watch the 20 minute video
1: i don't know so yeah this is awesome it's almost too good to be true especially at 12 bucks a month that's crazy i'll I'll, i'm gonna give it a shot i mean it's free to start so right interesting very cool
0: cool that's all i had for today i guess uh maybe we'll bring this thing in for a landing as always we are at working sessions.fm you can subscribe wherever you're listening and then if you go to working sessions.fm we have an ask a question item in the primary navigation there where you can actually submit something in writing, whether it's feedback on the show, it's just praise, who doesn't love praise, or if it's a question you have about our businesses, or just running a business in general, you can submit that in writing, you can record audio, you can record your screen, you can record your camera, whatever you're comfortable with, and we might address it on the show and give you a shout out. So anything to add, John, before we say
1: goodbye? I don't think so. Thanks, everyone, as always, for listening. Leave us a comment, leave us a rating wherever you're listening to the show. We appreciate you. Catch you next time. Awesome. Thanks, as always.